Welcome to week two of FOIA Reconsideration. Uh, this is a podcast where we explore some well-held beliefs and tropes about movies and characters that you love, and we re-examine them to see if they really hold water. I am Billy. I'm here with Gary. What's going on, man? Week two. Week two. We've, we're really going to exhaust our sports movie knowledge, I think, in the first few weeks. That's right. <laughs> Last week, one, we did Rocky, and we talked about how good of a boxer Rocky really was, and we came to the conclusion that maybe he wasn't all he was cracked up to be. And, and so we're going to go uh, along the same lines this week, uh, sports movie, uh, underdog story, and we're going to talk about the Cleveland Indians of Major League uh, 1 and 2, and I guess we can consider the fact that there was a 3, um, but I don't know if that's going to come up too often in this in this podcast. Yeah, no. You're, you're a fan okay. a little bit, aren't you? Not not of three. I like two for what it was. It's very different from the first one. Yeah. But like two went more like screwball comedy and it was fine. Um, but three, Scott Bakula, no, no thanks. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen it actually, to be honest with you. Somehow it's escaped me in the last 20, 25 years. It's like one of those movies that's like on TNT late at night. <laughs> you know, TBS, one of those. I noticed I was looking it up to see if it was somewhere. If I had time to watch it, I would. And it was on Encore Black. And I'm not exactly sure what makes it a black movie, but um, yeah. apparently uh, it made it. Is Serrano in that one again? Yeah. Is he? Yeah. I tell you, he had, he had a run. He's had a run for a while now. I'm surprised he wasn't in the middle of that run that he had to do Major League Three. He did um, 24 for a bunch 24 of years. Was big, that's, you know, I was surprised when Soprano. When uh, Serrano, I found out, was President Palmer. <laughs> and then he's been Progressive Man for a... Is it Progressive? Right. No, it's not Progressive. It's the uh, other one. Whatever insurance company it is. Yeah. Allstate. There you yeah. go. Allstate, you're in good hands. That's right. So um, now we're going to look and see how good of a team they really were. We'll go through the, the lineup. We'll go through the roster. We'll talk about some holes in the movie. And, you know, one thing I think it's important for us to kind of point out is that we are picking these underdog movies where they're not supposed to be good. And we're kind of nitpicking them down. And that's part of the fun, though, I think. Uh, yeah. I know we recognize that this team was obviously not meant to be good, but there's definitely, listen, a team makes it to the uh, ALCS back when there was only one round of players before the World Series. Right. Uh, clearly, it needs to be examined um, how quality a team this was and if the plan actually um, was played out perfectly. Right. So, no, I, I think that's a great point. And the underdogs win in these movies, so it, it does beg the question, are they really that good? Right. That's true. And I will say this, and I wanted to begin with this anyway. One of the reasons why movies like Major League and other sports movies like it are so popular and enjoyable is because they're true to the game. Like you really, it's important that you find actors who look like players. And that doesn't just go for the main characters. Like I'm looking at the pitchers on the Yankees and the White Sox and two, mm -hmm. see if they can actually throw the ball. Um, and, and I think it's important that you cast the right people, you follow the rules, you kind of you know, know what's supposed to happen. And that's, I think, more important than anything else to me in baseball movies besides right. the sport. Yeah, I'm super nitpicky with baseball movies. That, that's one, mm -hmm. you might find that as a shocker, but, um, <laughs> I, you know, stuff like Teal the Dreams, you know, Shoeless Joe's really lefty and they have Ray Liotta's a righty in the movie. Yeah. Things like that annoy me, um, you know. But Major League was like Little Big League. That was one of one of my favorite baseball movies. But some of that action is so bad that it, it, you can't like, you know, you can't like uh, it. We, we didn't plan this. I, I fucking love that movie. And I, watched, I saw it twice in the theaters. I love that movie. And while some of the on-the-field action is awful, I'm with you. Like the story and the rules and how they go out of their way to show the kids knowledgeable – 
Like mm-hmm. they really went for it when it yeah. came to like the rules and the pitch. I remember Steve Farr's palm ball was a big part of his right. scouting report. Like shit like that matters to me. So yeah, some of the on the field stuff was bad. But listen, Timothy Busfield, who underrated, he played a great first base. He looked like a left-handed power hitter for the Twins. He did. He did. And they had Griffey in it, so they were... It's still one of my favorites. I love that movie. I love the whole concept, the kid taking over the team. It's great. Yeah. I mean, that, that scene, though, where Griffey's running for that fly ball, he hits it at the wall. He's running for a, a country mile. That might be the biggest outfield in the history of anybody because they keep, like, flashing to Luke Collins running and then Griffey running and then Luke Collins. So the manager is about 20 reaction shots, and he's still fucking running to the wall. It's unbelievable. <laughs> It's just crazy. That movie really was good for me. I enjoyed that one. All right. And there are others. Like, let's talk about some other baseball movies that have realistic. Again, the players look like players. It follows the rules. Can you think of another good one that kind of fits that mold? They did a really good job. It's a different kind of movie. Eight Men Out was really good. Mm -hmm. Charlie King was in that one, too. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, pretty realistic for the time period. I like that one. Um, Rookie of the Year? Isn't that the kid who breaks his arm? Yeah, I haven't seen that one of the hundred years. Was yeah, that... I'd, I'd want to rewatch that because I don't think that one was good baseball play. Mm-hmm. I think you're probably right. I mean, just knowing what I know about the movie, you're, you're probably right. What was the Tom Selleck movie when he goes to Japan? Mr. Baseball, I believe. You like that movie, don't you? What's that? Is that the movie you like that no one else? Yeah, no one likes it, but I like the whole concept. And Tom Selleck has a pretty good swing. Yeah. You know, Tom Selleck was almost Indiana Jones. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That, that might work. That might have yeah. worked. Um, let's see what else. Uh, there was a, a, a rash of baseball movies. Yeah. Um, oh, what's his name? Um, handsome guy. Ren, um, I can't believe I'm blanking on this guy. I'm getting old. The natural in the natural, oh, yeah, Roy Hobbs. Yep, Roy Hobbs. What's the actor though? He just blanked on the actor. Redford. Redford was pretty good, like yeah. he looked like he can hit and he threw, he threw the ball well too when he pitched. Yeah. No, he did. And that, and that game, actually, again, I haven't seen that in forever, but nothing stood out with that other than, the you know, the whole history, hitting the cover off the ball and all that stuff. Yeah, but that's yeah. part of the mythology of the, the book. Right, right, right. And, you know, that was also they're playing like in the 30s, right, or something like that when they played. Wasn't yeah. that pretty far back? So you can almost forgive some of that stuff. And we have Bull Durham. Bull Durham. And we could do the whole Costner vibe, right? Bull Durham. And what's the other one he did? Love of the game. Yeah, I never saw that. It was a love story, right? It's a love story, and like you fast, you fast forward those parts to get to the game action. Like game, <laughs> the game action at Yankee Stadium, really good. Costner does a good job. You believe he's a pitcher, mm-hmm. you know, aging, and that was really good. Well, let's break down the Indians actors uh, in regards to how well they look. So, mm-hmm. um, I was supremely impressed with a lot of what Serrano did. He was, yeah. I think, the e- and you told me you read an article before the show about his home runs. Can you? Can yeah, you go through that? according to this uh, site, tiebreaker, um, mm-hmm. those home runs were real. Um, that was not editing at all. That was Dennis Haysbert. Uh, I think that's how you say his name. Yeah. Um, you know, hitting bombs. Yeah. Yeah. Hitting he looks bombs. like a ball player. He looks like uh, like a Dave Winfield type right fielder who can gun you out yep. and hit the bombs. Um, a couple of plays that he made in right field didn't look legit, but for the, but you can tell he can play. Yep. Now, there's legendary stories about how bad of an athlete Wesley Snipes is, and he seems to keep getting in these great sports movies, but mm-hmm. supposedly they had a film around him in White Man Can't Jump. Like, he couldn't even dribble when he got there, and the same goes for him in baseball. He couldn't run, he couldn't hit, he couldn't do anything. 
And um, knowing that you see some of that camera when he's stealing the base, you know, mm -hmm. even in the last game, they have to like cut away from him. They film him at like certain angles. Yeah. 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 And you don't really ever see him really make a play in the outfield without like some sort of cutscene and everything. So yes. And that yeah. one catch you made over the wall, it looked horrible. They must have like had him running from three feet off of a camera and to climb yeah. the fence. It was horrific. But his swing looks okay. It doesn't look bad. Um played, yeah. Yeah, he did yeah, fine. Uh, one of the funny things that I noticed from two, just comparing the two, I remember his very first at bat in the cage in one when it was Wesley Snipes playing him, and he tries to bounce it off, off the knob, off the plate, he can't do it. And then when Omar Epps gets there, after he jacks up, he knocks it out first time right in his hand. That was pretty yep. funny. Uh, then we have Corbin Burnson. Now, Corbin Burnson playing um, uh, Roger Dorn, he was actually, at the time, if you remember this, and at and, and, and our age, we probably watch MTV for different reasons than they do now. But he was the rock and jock softball guy. Like he yeah. played shortstop and rock and jock with third mm -hmm. base. And he was known for coming in there and, and hitting the ball hard and playing for real. So he apparently has some skills when it comes to baseball. I have nitpicks with him, man. Go ahead. The way he throws annoys yeah. me. It's like yeah. it, it's one of the worst throwing motions yeah. I've ever seen, even in his celebrity games. He like lifts <laughs> and uh, annoys me. There's that one play he makes. It might have been in the last game versus the Yankees, or maybe it was in a montage, one of those two. He kind of dies for a ball, and he gets up and he throws it. And just by the angle of where he releases it, it looks like the ball is going into the stands, maybe upper exactly. deck. I know what you mean exactly. But he has a swing. You can definitely see he can yep. hit. He can um, hit. That base hit he gets in that last game to start the rally before Serrano's home run. Um, can we that, talk that, about how awful it was when he was, you know, supposedly trying to play defense and he's like down on the ground, balls hitting him off the chest. Yes. Like that whole thing. You're a major league third baseman. <laughs> you know, he's just like, come on, swatting the ball with his bare hand. Like I know that was supposed to be like this like monumental shift, but that was one of the flaws. Yeah, yeah, big time. I'm with you on that. Um, Charlie Sheen, obviously they said he was scouted as a high schooler, like he could pitch and you could tell everything he did looked like he was throwing the ball and pitching and, and pumping the ball in there. Totally yeah. legit. Great choice. Um, I have real issues with him as an actor. I think he's awful. Yeah. Um, but um, but as a as a pitcher, I thought he was the right guy. Totally the right guy. Totally. And I was I was reading, you know, he did some roids to uh Yeah, that's what he says. I don't know how true it is. Who knows? He said he had tiger blood too, so who knows? That's, that's true. Yeah. Now, the one that I'm most torn about is Berenger as Jake Taylor. Now, let me just say, the casting is perfect. Like, he yep. looked like a 1989, 41-year-old catcher with bad knees. Um, and there are certain scenes when he looks like a catcher. You know, and when uh, at the beginning of the movie, um, when he crouches, he has the crouch down. He looks normal, looks natural, looks legit. Um, batting stance looks good. But a couple of the throws to second base don't kind of work for me. What did you think about Jake Taylor? Yeah, I feel the same way. I'm so torn on him. I love the character. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as a catcher, he looks decent, but the throwing was awful. And I think that might be the actor vibe. You know, Corbin Burnson had the same issue with throwing that we just talked about. You know, Wes Wesley Snipes looked brutal mm -hmm. doing anything, you know. So <laughs> I, I can accept it. Um, and his swing wasn't awful. Like it was no, a little flat, you know, like there was one, there was one where he hits a home run, but you can tell it was like a ground ball to second base, you know, <laughs> but you know, the, I, I, I love the whole concept of the, the aging catcher. I think that's, yeah. a, that's a good trope to have in any baseball movie. 
Mm-hmm. It's the whole game for what it is. And, you know, maybe the reading of the comics you know, and stuff like that was a step too far, but, you know, I, I like that whole, the whole, the whole vibe. So I thought, I, I thought it was great. The one thing, did he catch every single game? You know, as a 41 year old catcher, like you never heard of a backup. You never saw him sitting on the bench or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. That's funny. Well, until Rube comes along, but we'll get to that maybe. Oh, um, Although I will say this, not to get too far into the story right now, but the whole love story thing was obviously awkward and thrown in, but they did minimize it. And the yeah. scenes that they had together, I thought they did really well. The whole scene, when we'll get to this, this is my favorite scene, when she goes to the boyfriend's house, thinking it's her place, is a terrific scene. The scene in the library is really good with them. So they minimize their scenes together, and I think they kind of make the best of it um, while still kind of showing his, his uh, evolution, which was good. Agree. Agree. Um, oh, I almost forgot Eddie Harris. Um, again, aging pitcher. A couple of those pitches look like he's not even throwing. Um, like you know, when he's pitching at the end, like he's just throwing the ball two feet in front of him, maybe no yeah. ball in his hand at all. But he had the windup. I mean, he was fine. And and again, for the character, it was the right actor, I think. Right. For the for the character, he had a little bit of like a, I don't know, like a Phil Negro kind of vibe to yeah. him, you know, yeah. that kind of. So I, I, I liked it, but I agree with you. Some of, some of the throws with him when they showed him like fully throwing. And you notice they, they cut away from him a lot too. But I, I like the whole character with that. And uh, when did Shoop come? Like he was the ace in Major League Two, right? Was he? I think so. I didn't finish the whole Major League Two. I'll be honest with you. I couldn't get through it. But um, from what I saw, I remember him being there. Yeah. But he wasn't in the first one, right? I don't think so. I don't yeah. think so. They had a couple of weird uh, changes. Um, one of the coaches was still there. Um, I don't know, a Temple. I don't know his first name, but Temple Pepper. was still there. What? Is that the guy Pepper? No, Pepper is somebody different. I went to look okay. at this. So Pepper was a guy who had glasses, and right. he was the go-to guy. Pepper brought them the KFC instead right. of the live chicken. Uh, Temple was a, a secondary coach who was around, but not nearly as important as Pepper. But in two, he was for some reason, he was like Brad Pitt in Ocean's Eleven. Like he was always eating whenever they showed him. And it wasn't ever called out. It was just a thing. He had a pastrami sandwich throwing batting practice in his mouth. I, I don't understand it, but so he was a carryover in terms okay. of coaches. Uh, but there weren't a lot of other secondary character carryovers. Even the the GM Charlie is gone. Yeah. Um, which I'm I'm so that, that's a lot of deep thinking for two. I, I, we'll get into it. I, I just I just can't I can't. So the whole pr- premise of the movie is that these guys are so bad that they're going to lose so much mm-hmm. that nobody's ever going to come to the game. And she can get attendance. I think it was below 140,000 or something like that. It was a ridiculous yeah. number. Yep. Uh, you would have had to have like three people per game for this uh, whole contract to kick in. Um, but that was the plan. And so they, they get this collection of misfits and has-beens and never-will-bees, and they put them together. Uh, and they end up winning the AL East. First of all, it's important to remember that back in 89, there were only four divisions. Right. There were only two playoff spots. Uh, and there was only one, two rounds of playoffs, including the World Series. So them tying for the AL East uh, got them into a one-game playoff, much like the 78 Yankees and Red Sox, mm-hmm. uh, to get them into the ALCS, where I believe we learned later they played the White Sox and lost. Yep. And the White Sox went to the series. Um, so the, the players they get, we got the has-beens, which is Jake Taylor. Um, we have the has-beens like Eddie Harris, mm-hmm. Roger Dorn. And then the guys pick pluck from obscurity, and that's um, – Wild Thing, Vaughn, and Willie Mays Hayes, and Pedro well, Hayes was different. Right, Remember, Hayes slept over <laughs> to get it and to get in. Yeah, he just ended up there. 
and Serrano was another one. So let's let's break these guys down and let's see how good they really were. So Jake Taylor, we find out, was an all-star mm-hmm. uh, fairly recently, four or five years ago. He was actually a former Indian. He was there two years before, and he went to the Mexican League. Um, how in the hell does this guy with two bad knees not only catch the majority of the games, but somehow play well enough to keep his keep any job in a major league season? I don't know if this is at all viable. I don't think it is unless he's that good defensively, team leader kind of thing. But again, I asked before, who was the backup? Right. The guy, you would think there would be some sort of like known backup to him. Even a rookie, just yeah. somebody. And he's batting second in that yeah. lineup. I mean, we don't know for a fact. We know that William Mace Hayes was batting first in the first game of the season. So mm-hmm. we assume with his speed, he kept that job the whole way. And so in the playoff game, Taylor bats right after him. Yep. So you got Taylor batting two, a guy who was in the Mexican League a year ago, a guy who has such bad knees. Uh, you wonder how he made it through the season. The last game of the season, it looked like he, he broke both knees after he made that bunt. Right. Um, I, I talk I, about could he really beat out that bunt with those knees on game 163? That's, that's I, I, no chance. And and the other thing I wanted to ask you, and we'll do it now, why the fuck were they bunting? What was that? That's the greatest strategy in the world to, to bunt because the third base was playing back? That was his call. And then, you know, Lou agreed. That's a hell of an idea. I don't think, I think it's an awful idea. I think so too. And you know, one of the worst strategies ever. I mean, and Hayes is on second, so it's you know that whole thing, baseball-wise, strategy-wise, doesn't work. But maybe that's no. the point of the movie. They have I mean, you know, all these messed up things to get in. I mean, they could have just had a fucking base hit. I mean, um, the the third baseman isn't even straight enough off of third base, knowing that Hayes might steal. So he's already probably in hugging the line. I don't see how a swinging bunt is, is a good play. And, and I don't know how, I mean, I know this is 89, right? This is 30 years ago, but how often is Jake Taylor bunting? I just, and then again, like you said, they're counting on him to beat out this throw. That That is uh, especially egregious, I think. Yeah, I agree. And, and again, and we're talking about um, climax of the movie. I kind of like the idea that they didn't go for the easy home run. They did a yeah. bunt and, and a guy rounding third. But at the same time, it really just does not make sense to how that, that game should have been won. Um, so we have a really old, really probably bad catcher, mm-hmm. uh, being the, if not the, uh, the clubhouse leader, at least, but a, a contributing member to the team batting second in the most important game of the year. Clearly he must've had a decent year. Now they don't give us many stats. We should also talk about this, right? We don't get many stats at all. Uh, we have clues though. Let's talk about these clues we have as to how good these guys were. Then we'll go back to the individual uh, guys. So we know that Willie Mays Hayes stole a shit ton of bases. Yep. Because he was hammering him into his apartment wall. Yep. Now we don't count. I didn't pause it. We got to assume he stole 100. That's what he wanted. He bought 100 pair. Yep. So you're right. So he probably stole 100 bases. All right. So that's obviously very, very impressive. Mm-hmm. We found out in two that Serrano was top five, and I think it was home runs, RBIs, and slugging. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's real. Oh, uh, Harris, I think. Well, we didn't get a Harris stat exactly, right? I think at a certain point he had nine wins. Like at some point in the season, he won his ninth game, they said. Right. So he probably got double digits. Um, we don't know about uh, Vaughn. We do know he was among the lead leaders of strikeouts, they said, which I find hard to believe because he was in a bullpen for half the year. So I'm not exactly sure how he was in the, the, the league leader in strikeouts when he only had about 20 starts probably. But beyond that, we don't have much more in terms of statistics to go on. Now you can only guess and have fun with it. Right. Exactly right. Yep. Like I think they say at one point, um, Corbin Burnson, um, 
was hitting like 292 or something. Yes, like that. yes, you're right. They did say that. 290, yeah. You're exactly right. And I think they said someone was a Taylor batting 270. Yeah, they gave might. two stats. I think it was Taylor yeah. batting 270. All right. So you got a 270 hitting 41 year old catcher. You have a 290 hitting um, third baseman. Now, the Dorn thing to me is weird. I think he hit, he definitely hit some home runs. They even said at the beginning of the game, of the movie, he's uh, no field, still a decent hitter type player. Right. Um, so he, he had some power. How did he go from being a, a, a very important contributing member batting third on the AL East champions in the first movie to being cut in the second movie? How did we get there? How did that happen? He never wanted to play baseball. He wasn't into it, right? Wasn't he the GM in the second movie? Well, first he was the owner. Then right. he was the GM. Then he activated himself. himself. I remember that. And and they wouldn't put him in the game. They refused. And the yep. guy bought it 290 a year earlier. He had 20 something home runs. He really couldn't help this team that was struggling along. It made no sense to me at all. None of that makes sense. The old Dorn arc is off. Off. Yeah, completely. And even in three, he's the GM of the twins. What? Yeah, in three, he's the GM of the Minnesota Twins. And yeah, I would that's an, as much as I want to talk about that movie. All right, good. I'm glad we're not going there. So all right. Um, I think you can say. That Dorn was a solid contributor, and he's yeah. a guy who probably would have not only started on most teams, but been a, but an integral part, especially in '89. If he's batting 290, hitting 20 something home runs, that's that's a, a really good stat line for you. Yep. All right, so let's go to Serrano. Serrano to me is a problem. Mm -hmm. I, I need some answers for Serrano. Serrano comes to camp, and the first question is as he's bashing home runs or fastballs, why hasn't anybody picked up on this guy yet? And then they throw him a curveball and he whiffs. Yep. So at what point did he go? From I can't hit a curveball in spring training, not even close, to I'm top five in home runs, RBIs, and slugging. What 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 happened? There, that's a major hole in that. Yeah, you know, the, the league is never throwing him a fastball. Right. Ever. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know how that happens. You know, maybe he runs into some. I picture him hitting like like a Rob Deere, like 199, <laughs> 30 homers, right. you know, that kind of thing. Maybe oh, like 50 funny. hits for the season and 30 are home runs. I have a vague recollection of this because it was a long time ago and I didn't play much, but I'm pretty sure you played a lot. I remember Rob Deere Stratomatic cards. Oh, yeah. Right? It was like all strikeout and home run and everything else was like a sliver, right? That was yeah. it? That was it. That was It was strikeout, stri two columns of strikeouts and then a bunch of home runs. That was right. it. That's hilarious. I, I, I just don't get it. Uh, he's batting fourth in the most important game of the year on the probably the second or third best team in the American League. And we can and only assume down in the order if we follow that whole timeline he hits the home run in the eighth or the seventh i think so it was the eighth, home run in but the he eighth. hit it again then top of the order comes up quick in the ninth okay i have an answer for this actually i read an article uh, i was on the ringer i think a bunch of years ago um two things well number one we know he batted after dorn which tells us that he's batting high atlanta probably and second of all um these guys at the ringer Thought he made a they made a mistake or they you know kind of glossed over a mistake and they skipped one batter. Mm -hmm. um, so the guy who hit the ball to the right field corner that was almost a home run was the ninth place batter, and then they come back around to the top and that's Snipes and Taylor. But we assume I think based upon previous um, games and 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 montages that Dorn is three right. and therefore, um, thank you, Logan. Who is that guy? Uh, Tomlinson was he the only other mm -hmm. named Tomlinson? Indian? That's right, yeah. And then he got replaced by Tanaka. 
Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's funny. So, um, so I say he batted fourth. Okay. Right? And that makes no sense to me. It's just he couldn't hit a curveball in the last game of the season. No. He had to say "fuck you, Jobu" in order to hit a curveball. I mean, whatever works for you, but was he saying "fuck you, Jobu" every other game? Right. To hit a home run? I, I don't understand it. He's a league leader. I, I just even Rob Deere didn't lead the league in shit. No. How do you get slugging percentage? What makes up slugging? It's um, it's all all the extra base hits put together, division at bats. Yeah. So you have oh. to assume his slugging is mostly home runs. Maybe he runs into some doubles. Yeah. Right. Right. Wow. Can you imagine he's batting like two hundred. Yeah. And it's all home runs and, and a couple of doubles. Yeah. He has to be that. Right. He's got to be. Can't see. There's no scenario where he's hitting like two fifty. No, it's just impossible. All right, so I, I, listen, I, I don't care what he's leading the league in. He's a, a net negative for me. Yeah. All right, and then Snipes, he got the impression he got the ground ball thing down at a certain point. Yep. He's stealing bases like crazy. I think obviously – and listen, we can, we're can we not going to argue how some guy off the street ends up being this good. Whatever, he is. Um, and so I think he's a net positive. So on the offense, we're looking at Dorn. And um, Willie Mays Hayes as mm. being the cogs that made this team good with an occasional sprinkling of Serrano. Right. That's it. And nobody else that we know about, at least. And Taylor, you know, maybe he had one of those, like, the, he, if they said he had 270, it could have just been that one last year. But he comes back in Major League Two clearly not being able to do anything. I mean, and they knew that because they signed Parkman. Right. Who was a catcher. Yep. I found it hilarious. Again, I, I don't care what year it is and what the salaries were in 89 versus now. I think it's funny that they're even talking about there being a competition. They signed Parkman yep. to a big free agent contract, and both him and Taylor talk about there being a competition. There was no competition. There was clearly one guy who was going to be starting. Competition exactly. between Rube and Jake, not between Jake and Parkman. Exactly. All right, so on the offense, and listen, those are our top four batters. Yep. So anybody else who's contributing – it's contributing from the five through nine hole. Mm-hmm. And you got to assume that they're not doing enough to carry a team. Right. These are the guys you're carrying a team with. Okay, so let's go to the pitching staff. We got two guys and two guys only. But apparently, they're both really fucking good. Mm-hmm. Eddie Harris is getting the ball in that last game. And as old as he is, he's throwing complete games. Yep. He doesn't throw hard. He's throwing junk. He's, mm-hmm. you know, I always assumed he was a little bit of a knuckleballer. Mm-hmm. A little bit too. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So, him like ageless guy, I, I got that yeah. soft tosser. Yep. He would have been uh crazy in the age of spider attack. He would have right. had one more thing at his disposal. That's right. What uh what did he go through? He had Vagisil, yeah, he had Crisco, jalapenos, um, jalapenos, <laughs> it's not on the ball. Um, I don't know what Bardol is. Is that some kind of old man hair product? Oh, I'm gonna look that up. You look at Bardol. I don't know what that is, but he uses it. Um, major league comes up right away. <laughs> this is an age-old question. Thirty years later, people are still wondering what is Bardol. Do we have an answer? What is Bardol? Uh, I'm gonna go with with some, it's some old man thing. Like it's the thing you uh, put in your hair. Like um, what was that old man hair product? A little dab will do you. Oh it's yeah yeah yeah. Shit. That's what I'm going with. My complete guess. Yeah. Well, hemorrhoid has it, but there's no answer. Oh, They're just man. giving me the quote on everything. 
All right, so clearly Harris, as old and as weak-throwing as he is, um, he was throwing complete games. He won double-digit victories, which meant something back then. And um, and then you have Vaughn, who despite the fact that for probably a good chunk of the movie, right, at least a quarter of the season, maybe a third of the season, mm-hmm. he's in the bullpen or struggling in a stunning rotation. Yep. But he clearly comes becomes um, – well, they never said he was the rookie of the year. He never got that information. Yep. But they also made a comment that, in two at least, that he got a big contract after his first year. So they mm-hmm. must have bought out his arbitration, gave him a decent contract based upon his season. So I think the pitching staff, for your top two to be that good, is probably pretty solid. I agree. I, yeah. And you can assume the rest are there. Um, yeah, the top two. Vaughn went through. He struggled in the rotation. They took yeah. him to the bullpen. Then they were going to option him to the minors. Mm-hmm. And that's when Lou finds out he can't see. Yes. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been part of the initial physical? You would, one would being... think. But maybe uh, <laughs> Rachel might have uh, cut the medical staff in an effort to get them to lose even more. Uh, <laughs> took away vision. And we'll just go with a good guess. That's pretty funny. Um, so listen, this team is not bad. And again, in an 89 lens, you have to look at it a little differently. Right. Um, I don't think competing would be their problem. I just I mean, the question might be better asked, would they be a first place team competing with, you know, triple crown winner Clue Haywood? Right. And they make the Yankees look so steroided up, like hulking yeah. guy <laughs> the entire entire time. Clue Haywood is on screen for a grand total of probably four minutes. Mm-hmm. Maybe less. Probably less than that. And he is fucking awesome. What what a great character yeah. Clue Haywood is. An all-time baseball villain. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. He calls them meat. Yep. <laughs> that, that's an old school thing, too. They don't call people meat anymore, yeah. do they? How's your wife with my kids? You know, yes. <laughs> got a couple really good lines. He maximizes his time, for sure. Now, um, was he also an advisor? or was I think Steve Yeager was an advisor. Is that, did you read that somewhere? Yeah, Steve Yeager was an advisor. And I, I didn't read anything on him, but I can't see how he couldn't be. Yeah, right. I mean, he was amazing. It's just that he plays the pitcher and Vukovic yeah. plays the hitter. Yes, that's right. He's the Duke, right, Jaeger? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he threw his own kid in the father-son game. <laughs> Let's talk about Yuke. we got to talk about Yuker. So, uh, I don't know. I, 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 Everyone likes Yuker. And I think Yuker in real life, like if you like the stories you hear about Yuker in real life, I think are a million times better than the character he plays in the radio book. Or the TV booth. I don't like the figure that he's become. I like the real Euchre. Right. And Euchre in this movie, it's all him. It's all improvised. They they said to him, here's a scenario. Get to it eventually and, and just go. No, Euchre's, Euchre's talent. Do you like uh, Mr. Belvedere Euchre or... Oh, listen, I watch the show religiously, but Euchre is a horrible actor. Putting him as an announcer is genius. That's the one thing he can do. I think he's I think he's great, and I love the pairing with Monty, best color mm-hmm. man in the business. You know? <laughs> and I think you can make the argument that Euchre is the one that makes this movie. You know, there's a whole bunch of lines, but it's really Euchre who keeps it all together and keeps it really, like, baseball-y. That's a great point. You're 100% right. And that's another thing Little Big League did. They had their own announcer. Yep. He wasn't Watchcracker. He was just kind of a way to kind of take you from scene to scene to scene. Yeah. Uh, so they kind of stole that, but you're right. Euchre does make this movie what it is. You're exactly right. Was it this one or was it two? Because after seeing two now, I'm all screwed up. 
where he passes out and Monty has to call the game? That's, I think that's two. I think it is. I yeah. think it is two. I think it's great they brought Monty back for two. That's one of the better parts of part two is they actually went to the trouble. that scene when he has bringing. to call the game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ground ball, caught. caught. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Monty. They also tell you they're going to broadcast school in part two, which, again, also pretty funny. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, Euchre is, is the best part. of You're 100% right, the best part of the movie. Um, you know, we didn't talk about Lou Brown. We should mention him too as we're going through the team. Um, Lou Brown is an integral character in this, and um, I find it also funny that Lou Brown was so surprised he's getting the call. Wasn't he the AAA manager forever? Yeah, he was AAA. So, I guess that's what he thought he was going to be, and yeah, his time passed him by. I mean, he's nearly enough. dead in two. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then you know, it's also funny again comparing that and then in twenty twenty one. A AAA manager is typically a younger guy, yep. manager and waiting type, right. not some old crusty guy who's just you know running out the time. That's pretty funny that that's the guy they have at AAA. But if you look at Lou through like a today lens, is he a genius? Is he a guy like on the cutting edge of baseball strategy? Like is he like the equivalent of like Joe Madden? Mm. I think he's more of a Buck Showalter, where in in the early nineties. Show Walter was kind of a wonderkind uh, for a lot of reasons. Yeah. But the time has changed, and now he's a fucking dinosaur. dinosaur. The people who call for him to be the manager of their team, the Mets fans are doing it for a while. I think they're crazy. Yeah. He's the last guy you want in a young team. Yeah. But, um, well, actually, now he is. And again, he built – how many different teams did he build? He leaves and they won a World Series. It was the Yankees. It was Arizona. Um, Texas never won one, but they all they blew up once. They got that. good. They went yeah. to the World Series twice after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he wears players out. He he's a he's a boss. He's a dictator. He's a hunter. He controls everything from what yeah. he rest to yeah. No, mm-hmm. everything. So maybe Lou Brown's not really a show, Walter. But I don't know. Like he did a lot of things on feel. That little meeting mm-hmm. with him and um and Charlie when he tells him what Rachel's doing. Uh, you know, you kind of get the sense that he's a gut guy. You know, it's something yep. to come together. They're all talented. I, I, the calisthenics as punishments, though, that kind of goes to. Right. That's old school. That's really old school. And pissing on a contract is super old school. <laughs> it's great. That was one of the most underrated scenes. Yeah. <laughs> Two things about that I've always wondered. I mean, always. Number one, uh, I don't know if I could pull it out and pee in front of a, an entire baseball field for a lot of people. And number two. Um, I understand he's an older gentleman, so maybe he has some trouble, but that was a very short pee. Like, he barely even, it was like, you know, two seconds and he was done. I, I find it hard to believe that there wasn't more of a flow coming out at that point. Sure. I mean, it was on demand, though. That's and like fair. you said, maybe a little performance yeah. anxiety yeah. with that. Point. Yeah. <laughs> but Lou, Lou makes some pretty gutsy calls, even bringing in Vaughn. Mm-hmm. That was all a hunch, you know? There you go. That's what I was thinking of, right? The hunch factor. He's not looking at numbers. If he was, he never would have brought brought Vaughn in for that game. Right. Um, and if he intended to intentionally walk him, he would have had Harris walk the guy, walk, you know, clue, mm-hmm. clue. and then have Vaughn come in. But, yeah. That's my other thing, actually. Um, why did they throw him a third fastball in that big climactic scene? He pumps in a fastball 96, swing and a miss. Fastball 99, swing and a miss. Now, at that point, 
you got to throw him a ball in the dirt, right? You got to put one somewhere that he's going to yeah. either swing and miss wildly or, or get a bad hack or just, I mean, I, I think a fastball there is ridiculous. You can go, yeah, something in the dirt or like a fastball over his head, like in mm-hmm. the eyes. And did it get that high? Because that's the only way I could legitimize it. If it's like up in his eyes, mm-hmm. that's a waste. It, it was higher than the other ones. And it was hard to right. tell because uh, Berenger wasn't in a full crouch to begin with in that pitch. Right. So it's not as deceiving as to where he caught the ball. He wasn't fully crouched. Yeah. Um, I thought, and, and Brown is in the uh, in the dugout telling him to give him a heater, forget the curveball. I, I throw him two curveballs. I, I thought that was a, a weird thing. Yeah, he's he's a tough one to pen, to pen down. I, I don't know a good comparison. He is a, an amalgam, but he certainly isn't somebody who would have, I think, I, I don't know. I don't see him as kind of like a, a revolutionary guy. I think he got lucky and he's a motivator more than anything else. You think he's more of a Madden type? I don't know. I the motivator for sure. The whole, you know, getting the team together, win the whole thing, the poster of Phelps, you know, all that. I got he leans know. on Taylor heavy in both movies. What's that? He leans on, on Taylor heavy in both movies. Yes. Yes. So I guess yeah, I guess if I had if you had to pin me down for an answer, I'd say motivator and just struck gold with the team and they won in spite of because those last couple decisions that we already talked about were technically bad decisions yeah. that worked out. Yep. Bringing in Vaughn three straight fastballs, uh, bunting with two outs and the third baseman playing at least even with the bag, if not in as uh yeah, that's a tough one. That's a real tough one. Um, but other things, I mean, he was also limited, right? Let's just say, I mean, we don't know if he had somebody better to bring in than Vaughn at that point. Right. Um, but uh, I got a hunch he's due is such bullshit. I mean, that's that's awful. That's I mean, old school baseball, though. That's you talk to any old manager, that's what they're not enough feeling. It's in my gut kind of thing. Yeah, like Dusty yeah. Baker does that today. Still. Dusty Baker does. How old is Dusty Baker? I think he's like pushing 70 now. Well, I think he's pushing 80. Let's see. Dusty. I'm going to say he's like 76. 72. Oh, wow. All right. All right, I was a little bit off. 72. How many teams did he manage? Giants? Nationals? Yeah, here. Component up. Uh, Astros, Nationals, Cubs. That's it? Reds. Okay, all right. There you go. All right. Giants, Cubs, years? Reds, Nationals. Give me years. How many years he's been? He was, he was in a lot of places for a while. Giants forever. Yep. 89. To 92 as the hitting coach, and then came to 93 and was there to say 2002. 2002, they won the World Series. Yeah, and then he went to the Cubs in 2003. Wow, that's a long time. 11 years, you said, right? Yeah. Ish in San Francisco. And then how long was he in Chicago for? He was all right. I find I found the dates. So ninety three to two thousand two for the Giants, two thousand three to six for the Cubs, two thousand eight to thirteen for the Reds, sixteen seventeen for the Nationals, and then Astros since twenty twenty. Wow, that's a lot of stops. Yeah, that's like a third of the National League teams. Yep. Well, I count the Astros as Nationals. I'm living in the year. 99 my 89 myself i forgot <laughs> uh, um you know and uh, sorry so we kind of covered the team i think it's fair to say that we're on the same page that they're not as bad as i thought they would be when we started this podcast right i agree i i wonder how much more um exposition there was 
um, when the players first arrived in spring training to get more backstory on them. And mm -hmm. I wonder if there were any other players that they thought about at least giving a partial role to or a partial something to uh, in the movie, or if they just want to make it those four hitters and two pitchers and that was it. I get, that's the one thing I didn't, that's like the one negative for the movie is like, you don't know the rest of the team where mm -hmm. you look at like Bull Durham, you, you pretty much everybody on the team gets introduced at some point, maybe mm -hmm. just once, but you know, we know those characters a little bit more. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's just more well-rounded, you know, that kind of thing where this is, we're focused on the core and the manager. Right. And then the GM, which you can, I was going to ask you this question. Do you think Charlie, mm -hmm outsmarted rachel phelps and actually found undervalued guides was like charlie the billy wow. of this whole thing wow that's interesting i'm trying to think like you could have made the argument that all right jake taylor makes complete sense for that right you yep. bring in the leader the veteran guy who still has some life in his bat mm -hmm. uh, who can bring it all together that is something that i think a Charlie type would do to outsmart Rachel Phelps. Um, uh, Serrano, it seemed, baffled everybody. Mm -hmm. Willie Mays Hayes baffled everybody. And then you got Vaughn from the California Penal. What's that? Throwing 100. Yeah. There's found a guy throwing 100 miles an hour. Yeah, you're right. You're you right. The old vet on the mound who's cheating his way through the game, but yes. still effective. Dorn, who he even said can still hit. Yep. That's interesting. Well, you know, this might be a good time to bring up the alternate ending then. Yeah. So we can look at this as Brown or Charlie kind of making this team come together either through acquisitions or through behind the scenes managerial stuff. But the original, I shouldn't say alternate, the original ending to the movie was that Rachel Phelps was making this team to succeed from the beginning. That she was actually um, not building the team to fail. She was building um, a team that she thought they could help kind of bring together and actually help her to succeed. Uh, there's a clip on YouTube, uh, many places, going through the whole scene with this. What do you think? You had sent it to me and it blew my mind. Like mm -hmm. I'd never, in all the years, 25 years this movie's been out, I've never even heard of the alternate ending. Mm -hmm. And then when they did it, I'm glad they left it the way they did. Mm -hmm. um, but the concept of the original that, you know, she was broke and this was her way of fielding a competitive team. The, the line that struck out was almost like a Moneyball line. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, they all had flaws, but together they were, you know, they yeah. made something. Yep. And she supposedly in this clip scouted them herself. She even scouted Lou Brown herself. Yep. I'm not exactly sure how the former show, showgirl wife of the owner was able to properly scout players and managers, but apparently she could. <laughs> and, um, this ending does a, a couple of things, right? It does get some of the plot holes taken care of. Right. One of the things you always wonder is, you know, why didn't she trade these guys when they showed they had value or just release them or send them to the minors? Right. Or why didn't she embrace the success of the team and, and make some money uh, this way instead of going to Miami? A lot of plot holes that were all answered by this. Right. Supposedly, test audiences hated it, though. They liked her as the villain. And they had to go back and reshoot a whole bunch of scenes. Um, I guess the ones that are just her and Charlie um, reacting to things because the ending uh, had to be changed. It's it's it definitely explains things, but I don't think it's a better ending. I just don't. No, I'm with you. I like the the ending we got was definitely good, and I like her as the villain. Mm -hmm. it, it was good. It would have taken 
a lot of you know that whole thing of ripping off the the dress and everything with the uh -huh. the cutout like it, it i don't know it, it wouldn't have been as funny i don't know yeah and it's satisfying right you have there's a yeah. little it's their reason for doing it and if the reason ends up being fake it kind of takes away from it right. uh yeah i don't know if that would have been um i don't know if that would have been great uh i think there's a couple of scenes we should break down that i think right. stand out and people quote all the time and, and come up so my favorite as i mentioned before is the one in the um in the boyfriend's apartment when he gets off the elevator thinking it's it's her place and they're having a cocktail party i find that scene i broke it down like football film uh, last <laughs> night and i couldn't tell you so let's start first with the two couples who are there with them all right you have mr and mrs howell on one side of the room <laughs> and on the other side of the room you have this younger couple and i know it's on purpose and all but it was hilarious how well she did it that woman was i fucking jake taylor yeah. the <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> and her poor schlub husband is just sitting there talking about minimums and fosters <laughs> um and, and just the the climax of that scene when they shake hands at the end and tell him to suck his dick it's just yep. as legit as it gets um that was a good scene for exposition and and just for pure comedy it was hilarious i love the underrated thing and that always makes me laugh every time it's like yeah we have uniforms and everything it's really nice <laughs> And then she gives that modified golf clap, Mrs. Yeah. Howell. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. That's a terrific scene. Give me one of your favorite scenes that stand out. I mean, I'm a sucker for the montages. And I know you are. Yeah, I yeah. Love, love, love. <laughs> I picked the part to Dorn thing, but um, you know, just I, I just love all that. You know, I love all the lines. I love the Harry Doyle stuff. Give me Harry Doyle yeah. every day. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. any scene he was in was tremendous, tremendous. What, so, is you, what do you like montage do you prefer better? The montage when they suck or the montage when they're getting good? Because they're both good for different reasons. I like them both. I do like them both. I think I like the one when they're getting better. It's because you still get, they're still shitty out of the Browns crew. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but then you get the, you know, the Amex commercial in the middle, which yeah. I find funny. Yeah, no, that's good. how uh, Dorn reads the thing. I think that's like the best part of that whole thing. Snap. He's like snapping. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, let me just check my notes. I had a few things here we had to talk about. Um, well, okay, let me ask this question. Why do you think they even had the side story of Vaughn fucking Dorn's wife? What what did that provide? I, I find that scene that whole thing to be just unnecessary. I mean, it was. I the only thing I can think of popped in was there was that underlying tension the entire year, calling him fetch yeah. head and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I guess that was like the ultimate twist, and it brought them together. And mm -hmm. as ends, I guess at the end, um, you get the punch. Yeah. At the end of the movie, but you're right. As well as they did, you know, keeping. You know the romance scenes kind of to the minimum that part felt forced and thrown in at the end yeah. and i don't know if it added enough tension between them i mean maybe a little bit when he comes stalks to their mound and everything yeah you know yeah that doesn't do much you don't need much more tension in that scene right it's necessary um so let's let's kind of slide into major league two for a little bit we kind of have to hit it right sure. so defending american league east champions now, uh, apparently, uh, the team is sold to Dorn. Um, they show the negotiation scene, and he's, he's negotiated up somehow. Um, and so uh, they bring in free agent superstar Jack Parkman. They lose Eddie Harris, 
Yeah. Right? I guess he retired or he's off into the sunset. Um, anybody, any other major changes to the team that we know about? Um, additions, we have Tanaka. Right. He comes in when they trade Parkman. Yeah. Um, and we have Rube. And Rube. Rube. Um, and then the pit, shoot. He, he starts the, the playoff game and like, right. he's like a non-character like, throughout <laughs> the whole thing. Like, you're starting a guy who was never introduced in any part of that movie until yep. that point. I think once they, Serrano's like, hey, shoot me. You ready? Like that. Yes, yes, you're right. <laughs> Yeah, and that's why a little big thing is great. Another reason why, because not last game of the season when they're playing for the title, <clears throat> they start that crappy pitcher who yep. one of his friends was telling him to pitch the entire season. And he puts him in. Now, again, not the greatest reason to play somebody, but it paid off, at least in that right. one. You knew who the guy was. So um, here's a, I got a question for you. Okay, go ahead. Who's a better Willie Mays? Oh, that's a, that's a, a tough one. Um, I'll, I'll say this. I think Omar Epps had more to do with the mm -hmm. character because now he's going for power. That, By the way, that, um, that movie trailer they make with him with and Jesse, Jesse Bart, is fucking hilarious. That's really funny. I mean, as bad as the acting is, it's obviously on purpose, but the whole story is hilarious. He's getting shot up point blank range by a machine gun and just misses him. <laughs> oh man, I was it I, I shot more, but mine are deader. I mean, mine are deader. <laughs> and that I, I'm gonna say I like Omar Epps better. What about you? Yeah, you know, surprised as I am to say it, but I thought he did much more with the character. He looked much more like an athlete too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. And I, I like that he had the, the limp thing with the leg down pretty yeah. well. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I mean, it was a little much when he like takes off all his chains and all of a sudden he's bad, yeah. you know, yes. that kind of stuff. But, you know, but that's what that movie was. As realistic as the first one was, the second one was much more slapstick. Sad. Yeah. Ah, oh, the second one sucked. I, I can't, I just couldn't even enjoy half. Like there's a couple of funny lines I just couldn't enjoy. Listen, let's just talk about Rube for a minute. Rube is one of the worst characters. I, I can't even get over. Like, I get the stereotype. I get the funny name, Rube. And he didn't know why he has a name. Really hilarious. But the whole thing with he can't throw to the pitcher. And I, again, I get the plot points, right? You want to show that Jake can manage. You want to come back in the playoff game. I, I get it all. It's just horseshit. It's fucking awful. And what makes me the angriest, if he was just a guy, right? He was a character. He was a guy. Fine. He needed a catcher when he traded Parkman, I guess. And it wasn't going to be Jake, so he had to put somebody there. Fine. He's the reason why the team comes together with that shitty, horrible, you know, uh, we play baseball for a living, we're so lucky, speech in the locker room. Right. That somehow brings everyone out of their collective coma and gets, come on, that was an awful speech. Awful speech, not delivered well, not funny. No. You know, like he messes it, yeah. I'm, I, that's the... They gave him entirely too much screen time. I know what they were going for. The whole remember the Mets catcher Mackie Sasser couldn't throw yes. it back yes. to the pitcher. So I know what they were going for, but it was just terribly executed the whole time. And I didn't like the I didn't like Parkman either. And I know he's supposed to be not likable, but he didn't really have a great swing. Um, that whole <laughs> the shimmy thing. That's he gives Euchre a couple good lines in that. Yeah, women crazy makes them sick. <laughs> yes, that's right. I, I kind of I thought he played it well as an actor. He looked like, and again, he went a little far, right? He wouldn't high five people and shit, but he did come in as the again, there's the, your baseball villain. Yeah. There's no clue Haywood, but I think he he did okay. But yeah, his swing wasn't perfect. You're right about that. Um, 
the whole thing though was just uh and she buys the team back at the end right mm-hmm. remind me of the end i honestly couldn't get through it i said i'd go back to it i never did i, I just i just couldn't do it so the end yeah they 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 end up winning the the going to the world series okay. um he brings in vaughn to face park well not to face parkman and it's the batter before parkman vaughn says he's going to walk him um he's like no you're facing this guy he's like i'll walk him and then he sh- so he strikes out parkman and then the game was that to end the game that might have been to end the game i know there's a scene when willie mace hayes jumps over the top of parkman <laughs> down instead of running through him you know that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah not great you know, there was an article i read from four years ago i think it might have been a 25th anniversary and uh, they, there's a script for a third one with the same characters. Yep. Um, I guess it hasn't been made, obviously, so I don't think it will at this point. But the whole purpose was that now Vaughn was uh, the manager. Or no, I think Taylor was still a manager. Vaughn's a coach. And Vaughn's son is now the star pitcher oh, on the team. That's a little much. Oh, that's awful. I mean, it was the same guy. I don't think uh, Ward, who was the original uh, writer of the first one, wrote the second one. He directed right. it because it was his character's. And nothing to do with the third one whatsoever. So, I mean, it is written by him, but uh, I, I just, oof. Yeah, that's a rough one. Oof. I had read something where that Vaughn was coming out of retirement to help a young pitcher. That, that's one thing I had read. Okay. But maybe I, the same thing. Yeah, and it must have became his son. I guess they had to integrate something like that. Uh, I don't see how that would be, oof. Yeah, no, that, that would be rough. I mean, I well, go this, see it. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. Well, Leo, this brings me to, I think, an important question that goes beyond just major league. And I haven't given this enough thought, but I, I know we can kind of talk through this. So to me, major league two never should have happened. And as we talked about last week, Rocky five, never that one, there's no debate, never should have happened. Agreed. It's not in the way that it did. Give me another really great movie that never should have had a sequel or never should have a sequel. Like, I'll give you an example. Like for me, those early 2000 raunchy comedies like old school um, wedding crashes, which there is a script for the wedding crashes too. Oh. Those things should never have a scene. Never. never. Uh, Major League for me is one of them as well. Can you think of something like that that really shouldn't have or should never have anyway? Bull Durham should never have a sequel. I'm glad mm-hmm. they never did that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'll go against it. Like I thought Hangover 2 was good. They should have never done a third. <laughs> you never know when to quit, do you? Once. Right. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, but like the Sandlot shouldn't have had a sequel, even though it was like different. But there's like three of them now. But are they real movies or they like direct to video or direct Netflix kind of I movies? One hit theater and then the third one was like, excuse me, like straight to video kind of thing. Everyone always talks about Caddyshack and Caddyshack 2, and they're right about that 100%. Right. Um, I always thought one of the more egregious ones that not talked about is Fletch. Fletch to me is one of the greatest movies ever made. And they made Fletch lives, um, and they're actually they're making a new Fletch now, a whole new. Yeah, I just found this the other day. John Ham is playing what? Oh, John Ham. John Ham is going to play Fletch in a new Fletch movie. I don't know if based on one of the books, like the first two were. Right. I don't know who wrote it. You know, there was years ago there was a script. A bunch of people have worked on Fletch scripts in the last twenty-five years. Kevin Smith had one, never got made. And as much as I like, I like Kevin Smith, I find his non-Kevin Smith properties right. aren't that good. And then um, 
the Scrubs guys, as you know, a big Scrubs guy. So the writer and creator Bill Lawrence was going to write one for Zach Braff to play Fletch. Never got off the ground. Yeah. And so here we are now, though. It's actually in filming, not just a script. They're filming the new Fletch. I don't know how I feel about that, to be honest. I don't know about how I feel about John Hamm playing him. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he does comedy well. He is kind yeah. of a fringe guy in a lot of comedies. Um, I, I don't mind reboots as much as I mind sequels. Right. Reboots to me, it's, you know, listen, uh, the studios have the, the intellectual property. They're going to use it. Uh, I kind of, you know, it is what it is. But sequels, you know, when you try to advance a story or a character and that doesn't need advancing. I Listen, I didn't need to see Ricky Vaughn as a, you know, in a suit. Right. Uh, with a full head of hair. I mean, that whole backstory with that counselor who we apparently, mm. you know, left in the middle of the night. I, I know a guy who has a Harley. Shut up. Uh, it's just so stupid. That, yeah. uh, you're making me angry. You see what you made me do? You made me watch this movie and it got me so angry. I was watching it. I paid for it. I had to fucking pay for it too. You paid for me to uh, I rented it. I rented it on Amazon for like five bucks. Five bucks I'll never get back. No. Ever. An hour of my life, I'll never get. I, I had a pause to do, do something. There was still forty-eight minutes left in the fucking movie. I, I'm like, there's just, there's no way. There's no way I'm watching this. If it's on TV, I'll. If it's on the last game, I'll watch that. But I, I, I will not watch that movie. But any place when Major League comes on, I'll sit and watch it. You know, it's not on enough. There, there's a, yeah. there's a real market that people like Simmons and Rewatchables are exploiting of middle-aged men who love certain movies, they should just make a rewatchables channel and just play movies that we will sit and watch. I mean, on weekends, that's kind of AMC. AMC is rewatchables. They did The Godfather last weekend or two weeks ago for the 4th of July. They did them back to back to back, all three of them. Nice. I just thought um, of another sequel that shouldn't have happened. Yeah. Uh, Die Hard. Which one? All of them? All of them. Really? Yeah. I really enjoyed Die Hard too. I like them for what they are, but the character arc of John McClane, we can get into at some point too. Like he goes like for, and I'm borrowing a Michael Scott line for this. He goes, <laughs> he goes from a regular guy cutting on his feet, you know, barefoot somewhere, mm -hmm. jumping out of helicopters in the list. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, he's like this action hero. So, I, I, yeah. That's a, you know what? That might be our next, the next podcast. We'll do a okay John McClane one. I will say this though, I do disagree. I think Die Hard two retained a lot of the concept and, and theme of the first and it didn't get him superhero status i thought it was a really good story and it was really well done and you had dennis franz in it which is always good yeah i mean don't get me wrong i like all of them i'll watch mm -hmm. all of them but that was one where the first one i thought was like a really like almost perfect kind of movie yes yeah i agree with that i would say that my like cuts off at three um mm -hmm. and that to me three die hard three with Samuel Jackson, is the Rocky Four diehards. It is yeah. by far not the best movie, but it's the one that has the most going on because they just went for it. We're going to make you a popcorn movie and you're going to enjoy every second of it. I mean, I remember on the Palisades Parkway, he rips out the ankle lock brakes and he does that spin around. That's fucking awesome. That was a lot of fun. It is. It's a, it's a very different movie, though. You're right. The character, but that's where the, the, the line of demarcations, I think, from two to three is when things change for, for McLean. Right. And after three, I don't even know what happened. I'll be honest. I'm not even sure. Uh, I'm with you. I, I don't. I know I've watched it, but I couldn't even tell you <laughs> what they were. You know, so. <laughs> they all bleed together. We we need to come up with a good question for that one about John McClane. I mean, I, I'll tell you that we can think about something like: Is John McClane the best movie hero, or mm. something along best cop movie cop? 
Um, because there's a lot to that. Like him and one and two. If we just held it to one and two, I think that's our goal. Yeah. Keep it to one and two, and we can maybe make something happen with Die Hard and John McClane. I agree. I agree. That that would be a fun one because there's yeah. a lot of different ways to go with that too. Yeah, there is. There is. Um, um, I'm checking my notes, and I have notes on two, and it just, just, I just, let me just see. My first thing, and I wrote this down in the first five minutes: movies that shouldn't have a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she yeah. made seven figures. Pepper. That's <laughs> right. Uh, oh, Randy Quaid. Can we talk about Randy Quaid in two? Let me get angry again for Randy fucking Quaid. So before he was a nut job, and he was just Randy Quaid, uh, best known for me, Christmas Vacation. Yeah. Um, yeah shit is full. Um, he, his, he takes, they took what was a, a nice little side story of the fans in center field and, and the common guys in the bar. Yeah. And they take it to make it a character out of it, right? Kind of an amalgam character. It was yep. awful. I, I, oh God, it was, it was not good. It was, I and mean, I'm a fan of his, but it was poorly acted. Mm-hmm. It was way too over the top and it was mm-hmm. annoying after a while. And it made no sense after a while either. Like they're winning and yeah. he's still being a dick. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. No, that didn't work at all. Yeah, all right. I'll make it off too. Let me just go back to my happy place and we'll just wrap up with one. So I think uh, at some point in the last 45 minutes, we've come to the conclusion that the Indians were, in fact, a good team, especially in 89. Now, that team would get clobbered today. Yeah. Right? I mean, that... so I think one of the things that we – have decided is that this team was a good team uh, and one that you can see competing even versus the giant steroid-addled Yankees they showed in 89. I do think it's important to point out, though, this team would not have a sniff at first place in 2021. Mm-hmm. They yeah, not- Billy Mays Hayes wouldn't even run. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Can you imagine Twitter when he bunted with two outs? No. <laughs> <laughs> it never would have worked. <laughs> although i tell you even though and it's funny by the way i think another thing that changes right we talked about all the differences from then to now um vaughn hitting 96 and 99 is no big deal now yeah. at all no even the 101 to, to end the game i think in two he hits like 102 okay maybe even 103 i don't even yeah, know they had, to top, they had to top it but i mean that it would those three pitches would have been just three pitches yep that literally almost any team has a guy in their bullpen doing that on a regular basis. Exactly. I mean, Cole threw a 99 on his 130th pitch the other day. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty funny. But, yeah, they're lacking power, clearly, right? Their third-place hitter is a 20-home run guy. Their fourth-place hitter might be top five in a bunch of categories, but he certainly isn't somebody you can count on. Although a guy like that, strike out a home run, would probably fare well. Yeah. I think Serrano definitely uh, fits in in 2020. So in two weeks, we have decided that Rocky Balboa was not nearly as good as reputation might have made you think, and that the Cleveland Indians and Major League were actually a pretty fucking good team overall based on what we were able to glean from their statistics and and what came in Major League 2. We are solving problems that have vexed people for years, for a generation, really. And uh, I look forward to doing this again next week. And I think we have an idea. We have a framework that we're going to be hitting on John McClain slash Die Hard. That should be a good one. That's a good one. I'm looking forward to that one. All right. Well, and truth be told, I I wasn't uh, going into this thinking the Indians. We'd come to the conclusion the Indians were a good team. 
Yeah, that's very funny you mentioned that. I totally agree. I was ready to find all the reasons why they were not a contender, and it was complete bullshit. Um, and I we, we talked it out, and as we're talking, I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Maybe right. I was wrong. Good point. Rocky, we came into it both thinking that we had the right idea, yeah. that he was not this world beater, and we were right. Um, but, yeah, this time is different. All right, I look forward to debating John McClain next week. Um, all right, well, thank you all for listening to week two, number two of uh, four-year reconsideration, and I hope you join us again next week for our third edition.